Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Candice. And Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Yeah, you know, sometimes... I don't even know what I'm saying. (laughs) You think you have it all figured out? Is that what I normally say at this point? (laughs) That's what you normally say. But surprise, we don't have it all figured out, and that's okay. (laughs) That is okay. Our, Our hearts are full. We're really grateful for the opportunity to share this episode with all of you today. We are privileged to sit down with one of the last known Holocaust survivors, Dr. Edith Eager. The Holocaust was the state-sponsored mass persecution and genocide of European Jews during World War II. Between 1941 and 1945, Nazi Germany and its collaborators systematically murdered some 6 million Jews across German-occupied Europe using tactics like gas chambers, concentration camps, and firing squads. Around two-thirds of Europe's Jewish population were killed. The U.S. Millennial Holocaust Knowledge and Awareness Survey is the first 50-state survey on Holocaust knowledge among millennials and Gen Z, according to a press release on September 16, 2020. 
it revealed a worrying lack of basic Holocaust knowledge among adults under 40, including one in 10 respondents who did not recall ever having heard the word Holocaust before. 63% of survey respondents did not know 6 million Jews were killed during the Holocaust. 36% thought that 2 million or fewer Jews were killed during the Holocaust, and 48% could not name a single camp or ghetto established during World War II, despite the fact that there were more than 40,000 of them. The Claims Conference writes, In perhaps one of the most disturbing revelations of this survey, 11% of U.S. millennial and Gen Z respondents believe Jews caused the Holocaust. 49% of millennials and Gen Z have seen Holocaust denial or distortion posts on social media or elsewhere online. Executive Vice President of the Claims Conference says it is clear that we must fight this distortion of history and do all we can to ensure that social media giants stop allowing this harmful content on their platforms. Survivors lost their families, friends, homes, and communities, and we cannot deny their history. We are honored that psychologist, author, and Holocaust survivor, Dr. Edith Eager, is joining us today to share her story. A native of Hungary, Dr. Edith Eva Eager was just a teenager in 1944 when she experienced one of the worst evils the human race has ever known. As a Jew living in Nazi-occupied Eastern Europe, she and her family were sent to Auschwitz, the heinous death camp. Her parents were sent to the gas chambers, but Edith's bravery kept her and her sister alive. After the war, Edith moved to Czechoslovakia, where she met the man that she would marry. In 1949, they moved to the United States. In 1969, she received her degree in psychology from the University of Texas, El Paso. She then pursued her doctoral internship at the William Beaumont Army Medical Center at Fort Bliss, Texas. She has a clinical practice in La Jolla, California, and holds a faculty appointment at the University of California, San Diego. She has appeared on numerous television programs, including CNN and The Oprah Winfrey Show, and was the primary subject of a Holocaust documentary that appeared on Dutch national television. Her book, The Choice, Embrace the Possible, is available everywhere. And at the age of 93, her second book, The Gift, 12 Lessons to Save Your Life, was just published in the fall of 2020. All these survey findings raise concerns not just about Holocaust ignorance, but also about Holocaust denial and anti-Semitism. When you learn about the history of the Holocaust or one survivor's story, we're not simply learning about the past. These lessons remain relevant today in order to understand anti-Semitism and all the other isms of today's society. There is real danger in letting them fade. We now realize if we let these trends continue, the most crucial lessons from this terrible part of history will be lost. So without further ado, here is our interview with Dr. Edith Eva Eager. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Eager. Uh, we've both read your books and we're truly honored to sit down with you today. So thank you for taking the time to join us and to share your story with our listeners. How are you today? I couldn't be better. <laughs> I appreciate every moment at this time in my life. Every moment is precious. This is true. I, I think that's what we're all learning, um, especially after a year like 2020 and the opportunity to be with family, just how precious moments are. Um, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And 
we really wanted to, uh, we were so moved by your books and uh, by your willingness to share your story as a survivor of the Holocaust. And we really wanted to take this opportunity for our listeners to hear your story. If it's all right, if I can ask you some questions about your childhood and just start at the very beginning. Anything, anything, anything. (laughs) What I say is what I lived. And uh, my childhood uh, certainly has given me the strength to be in hell and make it through. Yeah, absolutely. So I know when you were a child, you talk about in your book how when you were three years old, uh, you were cross-eyed. You felt that your sisters were the stars of the family, musical prodigies. At the time, your parents had really wanted, your father specifically had really wanted a boy. So there was so many things you felt that were against you. you. Your mother didn't always have maybe the most encouraging words to say about uh, your place within the family. Do you have a word or a vision of yourself as a child looking back now on who you were, what kind of spirit you had within yourself? Since I had two beautiful sisters and one of them played the piano and one of them played the violin and I came along and I was uh, a girl, the third girl. Today we call the, the, the babies in a family charming manipulators. And I'm trying to think whether I have become a charming manipulator, but I don't think so because I never introduced myself as my name, I would say I'm Clara's sister, because Clara was a child prodigy in violin, and she played the Mandelson Violin Concerto when she was, I think, six years old. So you see, I did not really think I I had any place in that family that I was just around. And little did I know that that really came handy to me that I was able to look within me when nothing came from the outside in Auschwitz. So you see, everything happens for our greater good. It's just not what happens, it's how we look at it. And so I will tell you, my childhood was a childhood of a very shy child who really learned how to find happiness within and not to wait for anyone to come and make me happy. And that was very important in Auschwitz because nothing came from the outside. We didn't know what's going to happen next. And this is what is really happening now here. We don't know what's going to happen next. And there is a difference between reacting responding. Now you bring up your experience in Auschwitz and in 1944 you were 16 years old and unbeknownst to you, you and your family were being sent to Auschwitz. You found yourself crammed in a cattle car with your mother and father and one of your sisters, Magda. Your mother told you something at this point that you speak of and write of often. And um, these are words that would carry you through the next few years and decades of your life. Can you tell us what your mother said to you? My mom hugged me and she said, 
We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to happen. Just remember, no one can take away from you what you put in your own mind. And this is what I tell young people, that the best power is the brain power. And think about your thinking, because what you think, you create. Those words impacted, I think, definitely myself and anyone who has read your story and read your books. Um, Another moment that happened fairly quickly after your arrival at Auschwitz uh, was that you found yourself in front of Joseph Mengele, um, who would later become to be known as the angel of death. He was a terrible, I don't even want to use the word human in reference to him. He was a Nazi who was sending people to their death and who specifically was the one you encountered when you arrived at the camp and would tell anyone arriving whether they should go left or right and sent your mother in one direction, um, sadly, to her death and you and your sister in the other direction. In the same day, you found yourself um, being called on by him to dance for him in the barracks and you you danced you you grew up as a dancer you were also a gymnast and mm-hmm. so um it's so incredible to hear you discuss how your mind got you through so many days in your experience through the camps and um what we'll discuss later on in the marches but specifically in that moment also how your spirit and your passion um contributed to a life-saving moment uh do you do you still think of that dance? Uh, do you still know any of the moves? Does that song that you danced to in your mind still live on within you? Uh, you danced for your life and the angel of death gave you bread and you were able to survive that night because of your spirit and your passion. I never forget, of course, what happened that day. He came to the barracks and wanted to be entertained and my girls just threw me in front of him. So I didn't have a choice. And um, and yes, I closed my eyes and I pretended that the music was Tchaikovsky and I was dancing with Romeo and Juliet. A couple of years ago, when I went back to Budapest, the first place I wanted to do is go to the Budapest Opera House, pretending that I'm on a stage dancing the Romeo and Juliet, yes. What's powerful about that moment is instead of finding anger for this person in front of you who sent uh, your mother to her death, you found this opportunity to not only save your own life, but for to save the lives of others around you who were members of your community back home in Hungary. Joseph Mengele gave you a piece of bread and you shared that bread with the other women Um, in the barracks and those women would go on to save your life later on in the death march within a year later that was in april 1945 uh, going from mauthausen to gunskirchen and when you stopped you were shot right away i revisited that place every place i'd been i visit revisited including auschwitz but uh when the girls saw me slowing down and about to be shot, they came and they carried me so I wouldn't die. Isn't that amazing to really see that the worst situation brings out the best in us? 
Right now, I see that people are making peace in a family. Right now, I see that there is a lot of good happening right now when people are realizing that they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But today, this time, I can pick up the phone and I can invite someone to have a conversation with me that I haven't seen for years and years and years. So it's it's not what happens, it's what you do with it. It really is the ultimate act of kindness. You yeah. shared your bread with those yeah. lovely ladies and they saved your life as well in the end. You speak so eloquently about how powerful the mind is. And you also at 16 had a boyfriend and you speak so much about how his final words to you when you left ran through your mind and kept you quite frankly alive and well mentally throughout some of the worst years of your life. Can you speak to us about that? I don't know if you remember your first love. Of course. You never forget your first love. And uh, he told me that we don't know where we're going, what will happen, but you never forget my beautiful eyes and my beautiful hands. So what I did in Auschwitz, I asked everyone, tell me about my hands, tell me about my eyes, because I knew if I survived this day, then tomorrow. I'm going to meet my boyfriend. He unfortunately was killed a day before liberation. So it was very, very difficult after liberation when I was in a hospital and I realized that my parents are not coming back and my boyfriend was scared and I became very suicidal after. So I like to talk to people that it's easier to die than to live. If you look at your birth certificate, it doesn't say life is easy. There is no certainty. There is no guarantee. What uh, I think we're operating on probabilities. And the easier and faster you look at reality and look at life from inside out, then you find out that no one can take away from you your inner resources. No Nazi could ever murder my spirit. And that's what I bring you here today. Well, Eric's words definitely live on. I think of them often since I've read them. And and the the way in which he loved you, that has, I, I feel it from reading your words. So you sharing your story together um, lives on in everyone who reads your story. And it's so beautiful and powerful. I think of that so often, just now looking at the way I love my husband and love my children. And I think of their eyes and their hands and and the love that Eric had for you. So thank you for being willing to share um, that significant love story of your life with so many. I'm glad you have a loving husband and beautiful children. And I also like to ask you, are you a good mommy to you? <laughs> um, I, I think I'm getting better. I, I'm learning how to be a better mommy to me. Yes. Good, good, good. That, because children don't do what we say. They do what they see. 
I think that is very important for you to ask yourself, what is self-love? Yeah, mm. that is the most important lesson we can all learn. And we talk about it a lot on this podcast. I want to take you back to an ultimate act of kindness that you speak about um, back towards the end of the war when your sisters and other prisoners had been sent to Austria. At this point, you were 70 pounds and stricken with disease. You had a broken back. You found yourself within um, a pile of those who were actually no longer with us. And an American soldier noticed you. He noticed you a, a finger moving your hand moving ever so slightly and he gave you while rescuing you he gave you these tiny little colored things and you had no idea what they were at the time and now you come to know them as m&ms yeah and do you do you think about this moment often and are you reminded of this moment every time you see eminence? Every time, every time. I, uh, I have M&M's at home. Whenever you come, whoever comes can get M&M's from me because uh, I wish I could meet that, that, that soldier. Uh, and yet today... I know that it was meant for me, not only to survive, but to be able to guide others from victimization to empowerment. But one thing I can tell you that suffering makes you stronger. So you're not a a strong woman, you are a woman of strength. And your love comes from inside out. You're not waiting for someone to make you happy. Externally oriented people fall to depression. Dependency can breed depression. It's very important for you to love thy neighbor as thyself. Self-love is self-care. It's not narcissistic. I just love that you have M&Ms everywhere within your house. And anytime someone comes to visit you, because that is such a daily reminder of what he did for you and what you can do for others. It's passing your life. Why don't you buy some M&Ms before you have your lunch and then share it and uh, celebrate eating at 16, munching and not really gobbling things up alone that I was able to somehow, like all of us, not being just for me, me, me. That is so important that even then we had to reach beyond our ego needs. We had to really commit ourselves to each other because all we had was each other then and all we have is each other now. We have younger listeners of this podcast who um, might be learning about the Holocaust and in concentration camps for the first time. Is there one word or one sentence that you can use to describe what it was like at Auschwitz or a sense memory that comes to your mind, whether it's smell or touch, um, just that they can hold on to the idea of what it was like? 
Auschwitz was hell. It's the darkest places you can even imagine because we didn't know what's going to happen next. And four o'clock in the morning, they were counting heads. We were told, if you're not feeling well, you don't have to come out. We're going to take you to the hospital. We discovered there was no hospital. There was only the gas chamber. So we were holding on to each other. We had to learn right away the environment that we were in. If we took a shower, we didn't know whether water or gas is going to come out. So that is very important to say right now, because here we are. We are in a kind of a environment where people were equipped to kill, and they attacked the capital, and they wanted to kill the vice president and also the speaker of the house. Now, that is something I am very, very hopeful that we can empower each other with our differences and not to kick each other into submission, because that would be the beginning of the end of democracy. That I came to after Nazi Germany and communist Russia. But I also like to tell you that in 1949, when I came to America penniless and I displaced a ship called General House, I worked in a factory cutting old boxer shorts. So I worked as fast as I could. But when I went to the bathroom, I saw the sign colored. And I realized that after Nazi Germany and communist Russia, I found prejudice. See how you can find the goodness and the kindness and the Mother Teresa and the, and the you, the one of a kind, authentic, authentic you, that there'll never be another you. I think that's very exciting to turn ex when people say anxiety, anxiety, you can turn anxiety into excitement. No matter what happened, I made it. It's not why me, it's what now. Dr. Edith, I want to take you back to that moment you just described when you were at the factory and you would work tirelessly and work as hard as you could to make as much as you could. And even if you had to go to the bathroom, you would hold it as long as you could and then yes. run over to the bathroom. And then the moment you get there, you see the colored sign and you realize you haven't fled prejudice that it is here in the States. And you speak about using the bathroom labeled colored as an act of solidarity. Can you talk to us about that? I looked around and I, I asked in my broken English, the black people, how can I get to know them? And they invited me to a meeting and an ACP. And that led me to, to march with Martin Luther King in 1963, either June or July, when we were singing, We Shall Overcome with the Mamas and the Papas. There was this wonderful woman, and, and her soul was just marvelously empowering all of us. 
I can imagine that that was difficult. I know from reading your book that the decision to come to America in the first place was a very big decision as you and your husband at the time had had a completely different plan. Um, You come to America with hope and thinking that this is the land of the free only to be met with prejudice, really difficult working conditions. It was difficult for your husband to find a job prejudiced uh, towards both of you as well. I would imagine that that would feel very disappointing. Did your heart break or did you still hold on to hope that this was a country in which you could achieve the American dream? I still think that America is the best place. And no, I never did give up. I think it's okay to be disappointed as long as you don't get discouraged. And it's okay to be angry as well as long as it doesn't lead to resentment. So I think any feelings that come up, there is no right or wrong feeling, there is only my feeling. It's so subjective. And I would just ask every one of you to embrace that feeling and give yourself permission to feel the feelings and make a decision. You can legitimize that feeling and yet decide how long you're going to hold on to that feeling. Because if I would live in hate today, I would still be a prisoner. I don't have time to hate. I don't have time. Every moment is precious, and we don't seem to appreciate anything until we lose it. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. Well, I know you also held on to the past for a long time. You actually did not share your story. Uh, It wasn't until later on you at this point were living in El Paso. You had moved your family to El Paso. And that is when you decided that you would later on go to school, go back to school and pursue a career in psychology. And this was later in life, too. We love to talk about, um, especially with a lot of younger listeners, that you don't have to know what you're doing for the rest of your life when you're 20. Life changes when you're in your 30s and when you're in your 40s, even 50s. Um, And you decided to pursue a career in psychology And that's where you would meet a student 
who would change your life by handing you a book um, written by someone who would become your mentor, Viktor Frankl, the book called Man's Search for Meaning. Do you remember that moment? Do you still hold on to that book? Because I went totally underground when I came to America. If you ask me who I was, I would say, who do you want me to be? I became a very successful schizophrenic. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be a Yankee Doodle Dandy. And so I never told anyone about Auschwitz. I didn't have the verbal capacity because I decided that I'm not a victim and I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. And when someone handed me that book and I wanted to write 10 pages for everyone, I wrote an article called Victor Frankl and me, little old me, and someone sent it to him. It was published. And I get this letter, Victor Frankl from Vienna and wants to meet me in San Diego. And that's how I became a person who embraced me as a logotherapist. And I became a diplomat in logotherapist learning how to find meaning and purpose and passion. And for our listeners who don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he is an Auschwitz survivor who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, talking and, and writing about his experience um, surviving. And so he then inspired you to write about your own experience, which we've been very fortunate enough to read today. And yet, when we were meeting, we compared what skills did we use. And he told me that while he was tortured, he closed his eyes and pretended that he is at the Viennese lecture hall lecturing about the psychology of the concentration camp. He was a medical doctor. He was in his studies. Now, I say to him, you know what? I was 16, and I too closed my eyes when I danced for Dr. Mengele, and the music was Tchaikovsky, and I was dancing the Romeo and Juliet in the Budapest Opera House. So we both used the same thing. We escape, and we close our eyes, and we check out many times. So I beg children in school, please don't check out. Get rid of your iPhone and pay attention to the teacher mm -hmm. so you can really use your schooling. Because when I was in 40s, I was told to go get a doctorate. And I told my supervisor, it's impossible. When I get a doctorate, I'll be 50. And he said, you'll be 50 anyway. <laughs> what a great response. What a great <laughs> reply. <laughs> anyway, there's nothing you can stop there. It's the way you look at it. Yes. Your wow. Good attitude. Now you write about when you met Dr. Viktor Frankl, how he inspired you to tell your own story, because at this point you still had yet to sit down with your own children and have this discussion with them about your life experience in Auschwitz. Can you talk to us about that moment that you made the decision to tell your story, both with your own family and with the world? 
I remember as it was today, and today what I say is what I lived. Anything that I tell you, I lived it. And I hope that you don't talk about something, about this and about that. It's not about, about. I'm not a Holocaust survivor. I'm a human being who has gone through an experience. But that's not my identity. It's not who I am. It's what was done to me. So Franco book gave me the push to begin and recognizing that if I'm not going to tell my story, who will? I do have a story, but I'm not my story. Your latest book, The Gift, 12 Lessons to Save Your Life, you define hope so beautifully. You say hope allows us to live in the present instead of the past and to unlock our mental prisons. And you go on to say that hope really is a matter of life and death. And that the prison of your mind is far worse than the actual prison that you were physically in. How did you come to this realization? I say what I lived. And I was a little child. I don't say that I was really thrown away, but I know I was neglected. And that gave me an opportunity to discover my inner resources and look at life from inside out. And I think that's where it began. So then Auschwitz was for me able to find hope in hopelessness because I have been practicing it for many, many, many years that that was hope. My belly um, instructor told me that God built me in such a magnificent way that all my ecstasy comes from inside out. I didn't know that word until I got to Auschwitz that I was able to think about tomorrow when I was in Auschwitz that I did not ever even imagined, even though I was told every day that I'm never going to get out of here alive. And here I am. I could not control the external environment. I could not control. They could have picked me up and taken to the gas chamber and beat me and torture me, but never murdered my spirit. So that's why I'm coming to you. That is real, that I made it in spite of all the other things and never, ever give up. And my ancestors didn't have it as good as I did. And yet, they never gave up. And I carried that blood. And they never gave up. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And you're able to carry those words and that strength into your practice as a psychologist as well with everyone who sits down with you. Um, Something I, I know that, Every psychologist, at least that I've ever sat down with, um, always says you cannot compare your grief. You cannot compare your pain. It belongs to you. And it was so incredible to hear even everything that you've been through in your life, that that is something that you begin with as well. What do you love about being a psychologist, especially later in life that you were able to bring to your practice of psychology? I was always very curious 
and wanted to know what makes people tick. So I think that curiosity carried me. No matter what happened, I was able to somehow think about tomorrow, to be able to think about uh, how I can move beyond the me, me, me and commit myself to my sister. See, my sister suffered more from hunger than I did. My mother gave out food and she would say, take it, I'll eat it. I was very skinny. My mother gave me money when I ate spinach. And Magda suffered more from hunger in Auschwitz than I did. So I think it was important to choose to live for something, not against something. So uh, my practice started really about my curiosity, about Freud and all the psychoanalytic theory and the behaviorists and the existential and the phenomenological and uh, and to be able to really look at things and, and kind of pick what I believe is going to be useful to people to look at the same thing, but from a different perspective. The more choices you have, the less you feel like a victim. Because life is just one day. The morning sunshine doesn't come back. I'm in San Diego looking at the sunshine today. And I'm in the evening part of my life. And I ask, how do I want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone who did everything in her power to unite people, to empower each other, not to kick each other into submission, as I said. We can tell you, you are absolutely someone who does that. We can just tell after spending just a little bit of time with you that you are absolutely someone who does that. And it is incredibly inspiring. We would love to talk to you about something you brought up a little bit earlier, the insurrection of the Capitol building um, mm-hmm. on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Men were photographed wearing shirts that read Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Six yeah. million are not enough. Camp yeah. Auschwitz. Were you watching the insurrection live? And after all these years, what advice do you have to those and to people like us who are sitting there watching and want to be a part of the goodness and helping drive mm-hmm. our country and our world in the right direction? You know, I maybe would ask them what I ask myself. Whatever I do, I ask myself, is this the best I can do? Change is synonymous with growth. It's really pathetic when people listen to a lie. And that's what Plato told us, that you keep repeating it, repeat it until people believe it. So our biggest enemy is... Ignorance. Yes. Because I was told that Jews are cancer to society. I was told in Auschwitz that the only way I will get out of here as a corpse. So I may look at that boy carrying that sign and have a conversation. Is this the best you can do? 
Is this the way you want to be remembered? That you come to the capital with a weapon? Are you a killer? And I would really spend time, hopefully, that my God will help me to change hatred to pity. I did that in Auschwitz. I decided that they were the prisoners, not me. What great advice, change hatred to pity. Yeah. I felt sorry for the guards wearing that uniform, throwing children into the oven without even guessing them. You weren't born that way. You learn to hate. It, it's been, I can imagine it's been difficult uh, the past few years witnessing uh, parallel to not only what's happened recently at the Capitol, but in the last presidency, uh, children being taken away from their families at the border, especially considering that you lived in El Paso, you write about how you would cross the border with your own children and, and what that would bring up for you. Yes, by that time I was in California, but people asked me, are you happy? And I said, how can I, how, how can anyone with a three-digit IQ to be happy when you see children separated from parents. I sure hope they're going to find each other. I sure hope that change will bring us closer together and that we can unite. Never give up hope. Never give up hope. Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you, since you're full of such wisdom, how how do we combat this hatred and bigotry that runs rampant through our country right now? Well, it's what you're doing now. You're not in your bed reading romance novels and eating bonbons. You commit yourself to someone other than you. That's what it takes. All we have is each other now. So again, the question is, what now? Candace and I are both mothers as well. And I know watching children, just the idea of the children being separated from their parents and you being separated from your parents. um, It's so incredibly heartbreaking. And we know that that was only just part of your story. There's so much more to it. Um, National Holocaust Remembrance Day just happened. We uh, celebrated that on January 27th. Um, What do you want the world to remember? I want to celebrate a wonderful celebration of life and a celebration of memories. And that's why the Yom HaShoah is important to do everything in our power that I commit myself to know that my parents and my grandparents and aunts and uncles didn't die in vain. And I'm here left for a purpose, to know everything in my power, to let young people know that they are the future. They are the ambassadors for peace and goodwill. And I ask them to think big and you will become the president of the United States. Think big. Think big. The last, your latest book is titled uh, The Gift and You Truly Are a Gift. Uh, We've 
obviously, I think everyone's talked about uh, what they can take from a year like 2020. A lot yeah. of us were in isolation. A lot of us were with our families or being homeschool teachers for the first time or first responders. It, it was a, a year that all of us will remember for the rest of our lives. What is something that you've taken from 2020? Just as our final question, um, what something that you learned about yourself uh, last year? What I learned that there is a very important four-letter word, T-I-M-E, time. How do you structure your time that you have a good balance between working, loving, and paying? Not to be childish, but to be childlike. To be childlike and to be curious and to be able to really listen to your self-dialogue because the way you talk to yourself can change your body chemistry. That is science. Mm. Whatever you practice, you're going to be better at it. I hope you practice unconditional love. Get rid of the yes, but, and invite, yes, and I'm the only one there never ever be another you. If I leave this room, no one can replace me. And that gives me the pride that I'm here as long as I live to remind people what happens when people do bad things. Dr. Edith Eager, we are so honored that you took time to share such value with us. Truly, you are. Um, an exceptional human and we are honored to be in your presence. Thank you for speaking with us and we will take what we learned and heard from you and pass it along. Dr. Eager writes in her book, The Choice, Embrace the Possible. Our painful experiences aren't a liability. They're a gift. They give us perspective and meaning, an opportunity to find our unique purpose and our strength. That's what she's done so beautifully is find her unique purpose. She knows from the depths of her soul that she was put here to change people's lives, to change their minds, to help them to live with love instead of hate. And she says so much action, speak louder than words. And she embodies this so perfectly in all she does. I appreciate in her willingness to share her story as well that it's a wonderful reminder for anyone that your experiences aren't your identity that, you know, I loved that time, that moment where she realized after reading Victor Frankel's book, that her experiences in the death camps and the death March, that was not her identity. It's just, a part of her life. It's just something that happened to her, but that's not who she is. And she realized that later in life. And that's something we talk about on our, on this podcast all the time. And we, we get a lot of messages on our social media and in our email box, um, especially from younger listeners who are in their twenties, this idea of, you know, we joke, we, we thought we'd have it figured out and we don't, and that's okay. And it's very, very true. Um, you know, even when it comes to not just figuring out what you're going to do with your life, but also 
navigating traumas that we've experienced in our childhood or in adulthood. And it's okay that it might take some time for us to realize how to process it and how to grow from it. And I was just so inspired that here she was later on in life and her forties and, and she grew from these experiences of her childhood in a new way and, and what hope that brings. Right. And not only that, but achieving the, the judgment that can come with achieving something later in life, how she didn't want to get her doctorate because she thought, Oh, I'm going to be 50 when I get my doctorate and what, what fantastic advice to be given. Well, then you're still going to be 50. So you might as well have your doctorate. And it just goes to show that it's never too late. It's never too late to learn from your lessons in life and become the best version of you. And that's what she said so much in this interview. She wants everyone to be the best you, the best them. I'm so incredibly inspired by her and I will never look at M&Ms the same way ever again. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Eager. We'll have everything we referenced in our A block in the show notes. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Edith Eager, just go to dredithegear.com. You can read her book, The Choice, and her newest book just released in the fall of 2020, The Gift. Thank you again. We'll have another episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you next week. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.